What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bullen. Ben, we've got a topic that is a, uh, a Facebook listener suggestion today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from Simon, and Simon is from Oma in Northern Ireland. And Simon, thank you for telling us how to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, we never would have uh, never would have made it there. But um, anyways, from Northern Ireland, and Simon says, uh, there's something going on in Sweden that may be of interest to you. Uh, there's this phenomenon of converting road cars into pickup trucks. And uh, it's actually a little bit different than that. They're actually converting road cars and pickup trucks into tractors, as we'll find out. But Legally um, speaking, they're tractors. Legally speaking, they're tractors. But the idea is that kids from about, uh, I think he said 15, but it's really 16, mm-hmm. uh, can get on the road uh, without a license, uh, without a car license, rather. Right. This is all stuff we're going to turn. We're going to go into this. We'll turn all this up in the episode. But um, uh, they take some kind of sedan, like an old Volvo or something like that. They cut out the back end, make it uh, into what he calls a, a Swedish El Camino, which I liked. Yeah. And uh, the real interesting thing is that they restrict the speed of these vehicles to 30 kilometer, kilometers per hour, which is about 18 miles per hour. I'm sorry. Yeah, 30 around kilometers 18. per hour, which is around 18 miles per hour. Uh, what do you think of that? And I thought, that's pretty interesting. Let's uh, maybe investigate this. Yes. So, Simon, thank you for writing in with this excellent suggestion. Um, we've interacted with Simon a little bit on Twitter as well. Uh, it turns out there is quite a story to uh, the Swedish A-Tractor. The The interesting thing here that we should set out at the beginning um why are these kids driving these now, or why why do they want to? Well, the legal age for a driving license in Sweden is 18. Mm-hmm. So there's this certain amount of time where they're not allowed to drive a finger quotes uh, car, but they can drive a finger quote 
tractor. Yeah, it's a farm equipment or farm implement, and uh, they get around this rule that way. And so this becomes then what they call a loophole vehicle in that, you know, these these kids or these adults who are creating these vehicles with mm-hmm. these kids mm-hmm. are uh, are creating these loophole vehicles that allow them to get on the road, allow them to drive on the city streets, really, uh, in something that, you know, or earlier, you know, up to two years earlier than they normally would. And uh, I was trying to think of other loophole kind of loophole-esque vehicles that we've talked about and mm. immediately three-wheel cars come to mind you know <laughs> yes. that they they you know have licensing etc like a motorcycle um some of the micro and mini and bubble cars come to mind a few yep. of them not not all of them mm-hmm. uh cycle cars of course um mopeds came to mind in that that's sort of in a way a lot of those become loophole vehicles in that they stay to under 50 cc's in order to avoid the motorcycle designation with all the uh, the taxes and licensing yeah. that go along with that. So, you know, loophole vehicles are nothing new, um, but um, I had never heard of these Swedish A tractors. And it turns out, you know, he, he says that, uh, you know, Simon says there's something going on in Sweden right now. Um, honestly, Ben, this has been going on for, and he didn't know, I didn't know, this has been going on for like 70 years. Yeah, let's time travel back, shall we, Scott? To sure. The, to the beginning of these uh, homemade uh, tractors, which weren't always called A-tractors. No, no, no. In fact, they were uh, the early versions of these things were actually called, uh, I'm going to go with EPA. How about we say EPA? It's EPA tractors. Mm-hmm. And right. that stands for, uh, I think they called Inhetspris AB, uh, Unity Price Company. This was open in the 1930s. They sold uh, cheap products of uh, varying quality, according mm. to the stuff we've read. Yeah, commodities store, right? And uh, they said it's kind of like a, uh, uh, you know, I hate to say the name along with it now that you said cheap, but uh, Sears and Roebuck, they sold a lot of things back in the day. I mean, if you look at an old, old, old Sears and Roebuck catalog, they sold everything from houses to mm-hmm. Crosley automobiles to, uh, you know, Shirts and pants and, you know, anything else you wanted, farm implements, everything. Um, so the, it's kind of like the Swedish version of, of Sears and Roebuck, but maybe on a lower level, you know, l- yeah. less quality. Maybe, uh, now again, we're, we're being very careful because we don't want to say offensive things about companies, but we've heard it referred to as a, a general interest department store where not everything is bad, but not everything is great. Kind <laughs> of a, kind of what a, you might refer to as a Kmart thing. No offense, Kmart. I'm yeah. just saying. See, see, you get into this hole when you start doing that. Now, but the the thing is that this this is a trend that started in Sweden before and I'll say during World War II. Yeah. And the whole reason, the the entire reason that this thing began is because you got to remember at wartime uh, there was actually a, a shortage of tractors and farm equipment at the time in the in the country. And uh, you know before um, you know they were able to get manufacturing back up and rebuild mm-hmm. some of these tractors and farm implements and things that they were missing, uh, what they did have a, a lot of was a lot of uh, Ford Model A vehicles and the Model AA trucks, which are the commercial version, right? Yeah, the uh, heavier trucks, which can be recognized by the double wheels mm-hmm. at the rear. And one of the reasons that they used these vehicles, uh, as you, I think you said, they had quite a few of them around, which is always great when you're talking spare parts. Yeah, and you would think like, well, why didn't they just use the the truck as it sat? You know, as it sat, why wouldn't they just use a, a uh, you know Model A truck? Because we've seen them do some pretty amazing things, right? Yes. Um, you know, model even Model Ts we've seen do a pretty amazing things. They're turned into these 
incredible farm machines where people would, would drive sawmills with them. They would turn them into, uh, you know, snowmobile-like vehicles, you know, with skids on the front and, and uh, belts in the back or, you know, yeah. even wheels in the back, but still able to drive through snow. And, you know, the thing is that they needed them to haul things. They needed them to pull things. They needed them for so many different reasons. And there were, there were laws on the record that said, you know, we have to, if, if it's going to be used as a farm equipment or, or registered as a farm, mm-hmm. farm equipment, mm-hmm. it's got to conform to these certain things. So, you know, we'll talk about some of these, uh, these requirements in just a moment, but, um, you know, the, the, the Swedish government, they, they actually at one point, you know, once we got to the point where people are starting to build these things, which are like, you know, Utility vehicles. I mean, they've been likened to the Australian utility vehicles, like the yeah. uh, like the El Camino that Simon mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but these are more for farm use, strictly off road use, and then occasionally on road to haul things back and forth to, from the barn, you know, to the main house or whatever. Right. Uh, but they weren't really intended to be road cruisers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Swedish government decided that they were going to just after the war. They were going to kind of regulate these things out. They were going to say, like, we see what they're doing here, but we don't want them on our roads. We're going to we're going to get rid of them. Right. And when they wanted to phase them out after they they had already become fairly common, I think we can we can say that with uh, a huge degree of certainty. Yeah. And there's some rules. I mean, I mentioned right. rules. I mean, it just I don't know if you had the rules. Yeah. On yeah. Hand, but... uh, a body on the frame. Yeah. Uh, maximal wheelbase of 225 centimeters. It's about seven feet. Mm-hmm. Unsprung rear axle, yep. which is important later. Yeah, that means the that means the axle is attached directly to the frame. Mm-hmm. And a ten to one gear ratio. Okay, so that's a very high gear. I mean, that's a I'm sorry, a low gear ratio, yeah. and that um, that's kind of like you know what you would expect a garden tractor or something like that to have. You know, a stump pulling mm-hmm. type uh, type power. Uh, so it's very very low speed vehicle really. Um, now, when the Swedish government wanted to regulate these things, well, almost out of uh, out of existence because they didn't quite succeed, as we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, again, still called EPA tractors. Right, and uh, they had previously been called uh, built tractors. A oh, one point that I do need to make here, Scott, uh, a tractor in Swedish terminology mm-hmm. uh, doesn't always have to be a car. It can sometimes be a truck. Or bus that's been converted to agricultural machinery. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, so, so that you know that's going to come up in just a moment mm-hmm. with the new rules uh, for for you know the modern version of this. But mm-hmm. at the time, remember this is just post World War II now. Yeah. Um, another vehicle that they had that that even after the government said we're going to make these changes to this thing that you have to conform to in order to to make these tractors. Mm-hmm. Um, one vehicle that was very close to uh, to. Um, I don't know, already having some of the, the characteristics that they needed for this vehicle. Oh, I think um, I know the one you're talking about. It was about. a Volvo, right? Yeah, the Volvo Duet. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Volvo Duet had uh, this fortunate perfect storm thing for any would-be tractor builder because uh, not only did it confirm to some of the changing regulations, or I believe the majority of the changing regulations, but it also was a common vehicle in Sweden at the time, just yeah. like the Model A. Yes, yeah, so they had lots and lots of of these Volvo vehicles around of of well, several different types, really. But the mm-hmm. uh, the Duet, I guess, was one that was commonly modified. Um, yeah. Now you'll notice also that a lot of these uh, what they call old school 
EPA tractors, you'll see that a lot of them are made from, from Volvo vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. But then let's jump ahead now, I guess. Yeah, let's jump ahead. Um, so let's jump ahead to maybe the, I guess in the 60s, there was kind of still the, this movement on, you know, that they were going to kind of do something with them. But it wasn't until the mid-70s mm-hmm. uh, when the government, uh, the Swedish government, actually wanted to phase out all of the EPA tractors again. And the reason they had done this, I'm just going to go back just uh, a couple years. The reason they had done this was that the EPA tractors were starting to, I mean, they were still around, but they weren't as prominent in the um, sort of the 60s era until some young people discovered that you could use a tractor to get around the 18 and over driving ban. And then they became more and more popular. And this leads to what we're talking about in, uh, I think it's 31 March. So March 31st, 1975, Epitractors were going to be banned. Yeah. And then but the there was, public. There was a public outcry. Yeah. Uh, because the, the, uh, the public in general, now I know a lot of people thought these things are a menace on the road. You know, they're, they're too slow. They're whatever. So we find out, but, um, the public really didn't want to give up their Epitractors. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just they they realize that these are too handy. I mean, not only does it allow someone who's you know younger than the driving age to drive, uh, you know, two years prior to when they're able to normally drive an automobile. Sure. Um, it also is something a vehicle that really it had some you know actual utilitarian use. I guess. I mean, it was yeah. actually a vehicle that they were using. You know, they had a purpose. Um, they weren't just, you know, hot rods at this point. So, you know, they're, uh, they're actually a handy vehicle to have around. And mm-hmm. people thought, well, do we really want to do without them from this point forward? Yeah. And let's also keep in mind, maybe this is a little bit more of a qualitative point. The farmers in question and the agricultural workers in question also were probably close to these vehicles because not only did they work with them every day, but they customized and modify these vehicles on their own. Yeah. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. 
It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Yeah, so these were definitely their cars. This you know? may be a good point for uh, you know a point for someone to go and take a look at what an A tractor looks like because after you know anything prior to let's say the mid seventies was called an EPA tractor. Anything mm-hmm. after the nineteen seventies is called an A tractor. And uh, I'm not sure why they came up with the A tractor. Did you hear any uh, origin of the name A tractor in any way? Well, uh, I, I oh, go ahead. I know that uh, don't don't get mad, fans of EPA, but. From a lot of the stuff that I've read, the uh, EPA reputation became so bad that they dropped the name <laughs> because, like, people didn't want to call it an EPA tractor. Because, really? Yeah, the public didn't um, didn't apparently love EPA that much. They started to get a bad reputation, but I want to make sure that this is underlined here. That reputation for the store in no way reflects on the tractors themselves, which are great pieces of machinery. Oh, absolutely, because each one is individual. Um, of course, we mentioned that they're they're registered as farm equipment. You know, these aren't produced anywhere. These are these are homegrown vehicles, really. Mm-hmm. Um, someone is taking a a vehicle and modifying it in a way now that that creates an a tractor out of an existing vehicle. Uh, so you know, there's nothing. There's nowhere you can go and buy one of these that you know is a is a uh, a clone of one that you see somewhere else in town. Um, these are all individual vehicles. Now, there's a a bunch of new things here that uh, that we need to get to. New regulations. Um, new regulations that um, you know the the uh, the government again in the mid 70s said, you know, these are this is something you're going to have to adhere to. And if, uh, if boy, if you can't do it, then we're just not going to have to not going to have any of these tractors anymore on our roads. Mm-hmm. And so they they. Kind of let loose with this this long list of things that uh, that made it pre- seemingly pretty difficult to create a tractor that would be roadworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, let's get into the list and, and see if you can make up your own mind. If like maybe okay. this would be something that would be challenging to you to build a vehicle that would adhere to this, or if it's easy. Okay, that's a that's a great point to start from. So this is where we hit number one, the top speed that Simon mentions mm-hmm. earlier, uh, which is eighteen miles per hour, thirty kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. Not exactly burning up the raceway. Okay. Yep. They've uh, they but they did they did drop the frame requirement, and they also dropped the uh, wheelbase requisite. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So the wheelbase is uh, you know no longer has to be seven feet. It could be anything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the frame requirement thing, they they uh, they said that. Um, you know, it doesn't have normally have to be, or doesn't now have to be a frame on top of, or rather a body on top of a frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that made unibody vehicles available for donor vehicles, and uh, that led to you know some of the modern Volvo cars being used again. So people are yeah. using even current day Volvo cars uh, as a tractors again. Um, but I'm, I'm probably giving too much away. So <laughs> there's also what the something about the axle, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, axles don't have to be unsprung, and there's no set axle ratio. There is, however, a requirement for a 
token truck bed. Yeah, now this is fun. <laughs> Have you seen the photos of this, Ben? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it can't be larger than one point two five square meters. Okay, now that's now for anybody else who doesn't understand or doesn't you know quite get the meter thing, um, about thirteen and a half mm-hmm. square feet. If you want to look at it that way, I'm um, total. And I, you know what? Is that cubic? That may be cubic. Uh, yeah, that, that might may that might be a typo in the, not, uh, in the article, but that's not uh that's not too bad. It's uh, it's not very big. <laughs> if you look at the yeah, photo, look at the uh, look at the image of any of these A tractors, and they've got a tiny tiny little bed on the back. Uh-huh. And the funny thing is, if it was a truck, uh, it's completely covered except for this little. It's almost like a cube, a little small cube, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be able to carry anything in it really. I mean, it just seems like it's a uh, it's there for show only. But but the point is that you have to render the rest of the truck bed unusable except for uh, that 1.25 square meters. Right. And it just seems so silly. I mean, you look at these these big truck beds that they have, you know, in small pickup or whatever, and really it's just a tiny little box. And Part of this goes back into a an ongoing debate, which is why were the regulations phrased this way? Uh, was there a legitimate concern about the size of truck beds, or was some regulatory entity trying to make a tractors undesirable? Uh, it was probably at the second one there, yeah. and uh, and the other thing is that you know if you have a car, you've got to add a truck bed to it. And that becomes a uh, quite a task for somebody who's not, you know, adept at welding and modification and fabrication. Fabrication. So, you know, this is an, another challenge for for the builders, and that's where the sport Ute vehicle uh, that we t- mentioned earlier, you know, the uh, the Australian utility vehicles that they have still, mm-hmm. uh, the El Camino looking vehicles, <laughs> you know, that comes in. But the but the beds are very very small. So even in a car, you've got something. You know, they have to make a bed, and then it has to be a certain dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is they have to have a triangle on the back of the vehicle, but no license plate. Now, the triangle is like what you'd see on an Amish buggy or something like that. Right. Slow-moving vehicle. Or if a semi-truck breaks down, they put them out by the road. Mm-hmm. The great big orange reflective triangles. Uh, what does it indicate? Oh, uh, I... Just slow. Yeah, I mean, it has, it's a hazard. It's a watch-out. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that you know, yeah, exactly. Like, if somebody's approaching, you know, mm-hmm. it's, this is... Obviously, a slow vehicle. I think that's what probably exactly why the Amish have it on the back of their vehicle for mm-hmm. for visibility and just to let people know this is not a motorized vehicle. Mm-hmm. I've seen it on the back of hay wagons and things like that too. Yeah, and you are right that it is a sign put out when a truck driver, for instance, has a breakdown. Uh, you can also put it out if you're in a uh, normal car, or sedan, or something yeah. that breaks down, changing a tire, or something like that. Um, a couple other rules here. But boy, we still have a few of them here. Yeah. Um, uh, they're not to be used for personal transport. Now, this is a tricky one. Yeah. Yep. Pe- people get around this one, of course, just like they do, um, you know, the uh, official designation for historic vehicles. You know, when people have historic plates mm-hmm. on their car, they're not supposed to be used for anything other than, like, parade activities and uh, I think it's to and from repair shops, right? Right, yeah. So you can go to a car show, you can participate in a parade or, I think, a charity event. Yeah, club events, things like mm-hmm. that. But uh, you're not supposed to be just driving it to and from work every day because of, uh, you know, the plate restriction. Well, these are these are like, you know, similar mm-hmm. in that way and that you're not supposed to use it for personal transportation However, you know, everybody does. Asterisk. This also uh, brings us to another another part of this that was very interesting to me. So 30 kilometers an hour, 18 miles an hour, that's the limit, the legal limit. Hmm. However, if you check on some of the forums about 
aid tractors, if you check on some of the other information, you'll see a lot of people saying that this rule is not widely followed. And even even some people on the forums disagree about what the top speed should be. Is it 30 or is it 40? I'm fairly certain it's 30. I bet it's 30. And uh, But the problem is, like even the author of this article that Simon sent us, uh, you know, on, on A tractors, um, it says that the, the author says he's never seen one uh, that can go under 50 <laughs> or they can they yeah. can't. I'm sorry. Sorry. They can't exceed 50 kilometers per mm-hmm. hour, which is about what, 31, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, OK. And they're also not for trans, uh, transporting goods. Um, that's something this this is really tricky in that, you know, it's got this truck bed. So it's it's meant to haul something, right? It's not for transporting goods. So what they're saying here is that um, I guess maybe a way to describe this is that if the vehicle has three seats abreast, like a like an old pickup truck would, you know, like a, yeah. ben, a bench seat, let's say, versus two bucket seats or two chair type seats, um, that's okay. You can you can leave it like that, uh, but only if the original vehicle is set up that way prior to the conversion. So you know you can't create you can't put a bench seat in a vehicle that didn't have a bench seat and, mm-hmm. and say that, you know, it carries three people. But like large trucks or old pickup trucks, that's fine. Uh, there's also no second row for passengers allowed. Um, and you can't carry any goods or any kind of other items in the back there. The the, uh, the the extra space behind the front seats is not for storage of anything. You can't have a second row for passengers. You can't have storage for anything you can't carry anything in there that's that's the strict rule uh so vans uh big cars crew cab things like that um anything behind the front seats has to be removed and just gutted and that's why a lot of them end up just chopping the vehicle off at that point which is why these can look very strange to someone who's not not ready for the site Mm -hmm. uh you you see what looks like the front half of a model a and then it's chopped. There's still back wheels there. Yeah. But there's this tiny little... Tiny t- tiny bed. Tiny little bed. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to... I'm sorry. I wanted to go back and correct some of the things I said. I don't know exactly why. I haven't found exactly why they're called A-tractors. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dig in deeper and look into that. However, uh, we are correct. That is that is the slow moving sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was made mandatory on... January 1st, 1982. Very good. Before then was voluntary. Have some quick research, Ben. Well, I have the, I have my, <laughs> I have my notes typed out, but yeah, then I, I got, I, I hate to admit it, Scott, I, I got sucked into looking at these very interesting, like striking pictures of these vehicles, yeah. man. You know what? Can I get just two more? Yeah. Or actually just one more little thing. Right. Um, there's also a tow hitch, which is mandatory. So yes, they all have to point. have a tow hitch on the back because a tractor would have a tow hitch on the back for wagons, whatever it's towing. Uh, farm, other farm implements mm-hmm. as well. Now, you know what? I agree with you on, uh, and that's just about it for the new rules, but I agree with you completely on looking at these things. It's not at all what you would expect. Now, we're talking about tractors, and you would think that, you know, the kind of variety, like maybe you'd see out on the farm, like the John Deere tractors, or yeah. you'd think of, um, maybe the kind that you use to mow your yard, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the Sears Craftsman variety that's, you mm-hmm. know, very, very small, boxy, you know, just a, a, you know, four, you know, four stroke engine under the hood, and, uh, maybe a headlight or two, you know, yeah, if you're fancy. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Something you just park in the shed, you know, that type of thing. But right. this is nothing like this. These these look like hot rods. They yeah, really do. A, a lot and just like the original name Epitractor implies, there is a wide range of let's let's call it uh 
aesthetics. I don't yeah. know because we've got you've got some that look just amazing. Like you would see them in a car show, especially. You remember this uh, this one right here with I really big back wheels? Yes. Uh, there's a uh, dragster-looking one that uh, mm-hmm. in this article. That's uh, if you go on our Facebook, you can find this conversation that we had with Simon and uh, and look up the article. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. Or you can just search for this article if you like. I mean, it's called "The History of the Swedish A Tractor," and uh, it's got several great photos. I mean, some of these are beautiful vehicles, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will find that you know uh, a lot of them are, are kind of done up in hot rod fashion instead of uh, you know just getting you know from home to town, you know, that, that that type of vehicle. Not an A to B transportation type vehicle, but more like uh, the style of getting there, right? Yes. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. If you had a, let's say, 16-year-old, right, and lived in a place where driving age was 18. Okay. Would you be fine with your kid uh, driving an A-tractor? Oh, this is a tough question. This is a tough question. Now, here in the States, driving age is 16, ballpark. I mean, you get your learner's permit and mm-hmm. all that, right? I mean, there's I know there's a process. and I, um, Boy, this is a tough one because these are so restricted in what they allow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a homemade vehicle, though, and I wouldn't be too confident about that. 
I think okay. maybe that would be the only thing that would, that would hold me back is that you're putting your kid out there on the road in a vehicle that can only travel 18 miles per hour, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Other vehicles are traveling around that vehicle a lot faster. That may be a danger. Um, the, again, the home homemade aspect would be a, a potential concern. Um, of course, then you can go the other way with that. You can make it overly safe, really. Right, um, yeah. I, boy, I don't know, Ben. I, I, I think uh, I don't think I would. Well, in the defense of the people who have made this decision, we do need to point out that a lot of times these vehicles are have already been in existence in the family, mm-hmm. you know, so they're reliable. Sure, they're tinkered with. Hand-me-downs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if, we, if we want to call them that. And also, that I think you make an excellent point about the speed because mm-hmm. I get the sense that a lot of these are in more rural areas communities. Yeah, and you know, it's it's so handy for someone to be able to say to their their son or daughter who is 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you please run down to the the feed shop and I need uh, I need six, you know, uh, whatever. I need six bales mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. of this hay or whatever. I need uh, bags of something, you know, some type of feed. Um, or whatever it happens to be. However, I think that a lot of these are just being used for like kids cruising, which I think is so cool. I mean, maybe I'm on the different a different side of this uh because I think that if I had a kid, I would be the coolest dad ever for being able to say, you know, I know you can't drive till you're 18. I know you can't drive a car, I mean. Yeah, that's you right. Know? Yeah, it's like a it's like a bigger kid go-kart, I guess, right? Yeah, maybe I'd be a better now, uncle. Now, let's get back to this though because the purpose of all these rules. Now, we just read you that long list of rules right, prior, prior right. to that break. Remember mm-hmm. that that um were meant really and this is the the main purpose you got to remember. The Swedish government is trying to make these vehicles unattractive to anyone. They're trying to say you know, you got to do this, this, and this, and uh, oh, by the way, we've got this, this, and this also that you have to do. Yeah, so they're trying to make it inconvenient. Yeah, exactly. Inconvenient is probably the, the best way to say it, but very, very unappealing or unattractive. Now, what that did really uh, was make people say, you know what, I'm going to build a car that, that conforms to your standards yet is still something that I want to drive, something that's cool or something that I can put my kid in that we'll be, we'll be proud of together. And I want to point out, that this reminds me so much of some of the engineering at Formula One. Oh yeah, it's, it becomes a challenge mm-hmm. for a lot of these people. You know that they say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, whether you want it, really want me to or not." I can see that you don't want me to without mm-hmm. just outright banning the vehicles. Um, so you know, make the rules as tough as you can. I'm gonna do my best to sort through all of them and, and make something, uh, make something out of this. Yeah. And when we say, by the way, guys, when we when we say that there was an attempt to ban them completely and it failed due to uh, public uproar, we do mean public uproar. There were protests. There were uh, there was a petition with almost seven thousand people signed up. Uh, the, that's the reason that the Swedish government did not completely ban them, but instead tried this little sneakier way, a little more passive-aggressive yeah. way of just saying, well, okay, if we can't make them illegal, we'll make them stink. Yep, and you know what? The thing is now, that we, we've mentioned this loophole vehicle, right? Right. That, you know, this is what it has become. And we talked about the age and all that. Mm-hmm. It's not just for kids, though. It's, ah. in fact, I guess we'll find out that right now that, uh, you know, it's not strictly people between the ages 16 and 18 that are driving these things. Mm-hmm. These also have use for um, old farmers who still continue to use these vehicles, you know, maybe even the ones that, you know, are 
you know, ballpark World War II vehicles. Oh, yeah, so maybe like epitractors. And possibly some new ones, you know, because a lot of these guys are very, very handy in the workshop. You know, they're able to weld very well and, uh, and create things. So, you know, you'd be surprised what old farmers can turn out of a barn. These are MacGyver trucks. Yeah, exactly. Now, also, this is interesting. I don't know if I like this too much. What's that? People who have had their uh, their licenses revoked due to mm-hmm. drunk driving or, you know, for whatever reason. But right. Maybe they've uh, racked up all uh, numerous speeding or reckless driving. Mm-hmm. People people who are not allowed to have an actual driving license for a, an actual car mm-hmm. can still get around it. Also, uh, the taxes and insurance are much lower. Yeah, extremely low on these things because they're farm implements, they're tractors. So you right. know it's very, very low because how much, you know, how much insurance do you have to carry on something that really is supposed to be sitting in a barn or out in a field or something like that on mm. you know private property, off-road use? Uh, doesn't really have to have a lot of uh, of um, insurance carried along with that because you're not truly supposed to be interacting with uh, with other drivers on the road all that much, if at all. Which could make this, and I, I think I see where you're, seeing, where you're going, Scott, this could make it a very dangerous, perfect storm because then we could have someone who is a dangerous driver um, back on the road and having, I don't know, more money to spend on crime? Well, maybe no, 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 nothing <laughs> no, like kidding. that. But you know what? Sometimes, and I, I've seen this in my past, Ben, I know that, uh, man, this is going back to high school days, but there was a guy, an older guy, uh, I didn't even know who he was, but, you know, I'd worked at this hardware store, and this guy would work somewhere nearby in the same strip mall area. And uh, I was at the hardware store all the time, and I'd see this guy ride by on his moped. And, uh, you know, one of the older guys that worked with me said, you know, that guy lost his license two years ago uh, for drunk driving. After, you know, X number of offenses, he just completely lost oh, his wow. license. And, life, huh? And the guy would use a moped for, you know, as, as long as he possibly could from, you know, spring until fall, you know, when the snow hit, mm-hmm. um, to get around town because he couldn't get a driver's license. However, he could get a moped license at the time. Now, I don't know if that's changed or not, but mm-hmm. um, that's the reason that this, you know, I don't know if he was in this. He seemed old to me, but he may have been like, you know, 30s, 40s. Because you were in high school. Exactly, so. yeah. So he was in his 30s or 40s, and I was wondering why this guy is using a moped to get around town. And, you know, I saw him a good distance from, you know, where we worked occasionally. So I know that, you know, this is his main method of transportation. I was kind of curious about it, and that's when I asked, and he told me. So I have to say, though, while while we are showing the maybe the darker side of this, I'm fairly convinced from what we read that this is not the primary use of yeah. A-tractors. I really do think they're more for uh, loophole cars for young adults and then for legitimate farm use purposes. Mm-hmm. Although now what's interesting is that shortage of quote-unquote real tractors uh, from World War II is is no longer in business. Yeah. You can get a real tractor. No, now. it no longer exists. But people continue to build a tractors, and of course, uh, you know, with, despite the Swedish government's best efforts, you know, to to thwart that. Um, what what's really interesting, maybe in this whole thing, is that a lot of people in uh, you know the car culture in, in mm-hmm. Sweden see this as kind of a starting point for them in their hot rodding or their customizing. Um, you know, so so when you look at the pictures that you know follow along with these, uh, if you if you look up a tractors, you'll see these. Yeah. Um, a lot of them do have a hot rod look to them. You know, they're they're completely slammed to the ground. I mean, they're an inch off the ground. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them have enormous rear tires. They look like drag cars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, air cleaners sticking out of the hood, candy apple paint jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are, are 
really striking. Some of them are really beautiful. Others are more utilitarian looking. Others mm-hmm. have, you know, rough body work. They just haven't had the, the time and effort put into them that some of the others have. And that, I'm glad you made that point that this is a great sort of feeder for the customizing scene. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we should also emphasize is that these vehicles can change hands uh, fairly quickly because imagine, if you will, that you and your family, your older siblings, your mom and dad are working with you to customize or to repair an, an A tractor. And depending on the amount of work you do, then by the time you're finished, you might be able to just get a actual car yeah, license. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of the things that this writer points out yeah. is that, you know, you start these projects and a lot of them will start it when they're, you know, 15, 16. By the time they're 18, you know, and the thing's done, it's time to get a real car. So a lot of times, you know, these are just kind of a, a, a toy that goes along with the regular license, the real license. Um, now I guess that, you know, if, if you're really smart about this, you may start building one of these things or, you know, if you, if you can locate one and just buy it, that's great. But if you want to build one, maybe you start when you're 13, maybe 14 years old and kind of put the pieces together and then have some time. And then when you hit 16, mm-hmm. that would be the smartest time really to, to get one of these. Cause the day you turn 16, you're able to get this farm license or this tractor license. Yeah. Um, that would be a smart move, right? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've got a couple, just two more quick little mm-hmm. side notes, I guess, in the, to this whole thing, um, is that, you know, there was something similar going on here in the United States. Oh, yeah? Uh, during World War II. And uh, it was because we also had a, a shortage of, of farm implements, but we did have, um, again, a lot of, you know, Ford cars. We had Model A's, we had Model T's. Um, and they actually did convert tractor, you know, these into tractors as well. So there's something here in the states that they call doodle bug tractors. Ah, yes. And okay. doodle bug tractors are the just about the identical thing to these. I mean, there's there's slight differences here and there in the regulations, etc. But um, it's basically just an engine, um, a truck axle, and any kind of homemade body that you could throw together. And some were actual tractors. Some were more like, you know, more car like, I guess. Sure. Um, and the last thing, Ben, this is kind of just a, a complete side note. Okay. Um, and we'll end with this. I was talking with my mother this weekend and just, I, I mentioned these A tractors that we were going to be doing a show on these A tractors. Mm-hmm. And she says to me, you know, my neighbor, who was kind of a guy that liked to tinker with a lot of things, uh, this is back in Wabash, Indiana, like in the, the late fifties, early sixties. Okay. Um, he created this this vehicle, and she had a name for it, but it wasn't Doodlebug Tractor. It was something else. It was a, there was a name that he called it that he made up. That he made up, I think, and I can't remember the name. I'm gonna have to get that for you know <laughs> soon. But um, it basically looked like a uh, like a you know harness racing and horse and horse racing. Yeah, how the uh, the harness racer stays on the back. It's almost like a two wheeled wagon setup. Right. Well, there was an engine up front that had wheels and it was driven. And then at the back, it was almost like this harness racing vehicle that was wooden that he had created. And it was really just strictly for like on the, on the sidewalk type use. Yeah. And you could, you could haul around, you know, like three or four kids. The guy was always driving. He was the, the driver. Okay. And it was just a fun toy for the kids to mess around with. That sounds and, like um, a pretty cool neighbor. He was always driving and maybe three or four kids would be able to ride if they were small. And if it was, you know, bigger kids, two kids could ride it. Mm, okay. Um, and the, the cool thing about this is, and this has got me really thinking. He lived immediately next door to my grandmother, who still lives in the same house. And the houses are both still there, and the garage is still there. He just stored it in the back of the garage. Now, the house has changed hands once or twice in the past, but it's family members. Now, I'm wondering if the next time in town, if I go back there and ask if I can just take a peek, 
if I'll see the remnants of this thing or if maybe it's the entire vehicle is still stored in there because it's possible. You have to. I know. I, I absolutely <laughs> have to at this point. So if anybody's heard of anything like, um, you know, like these unusual vehicles like doodlebug tractors or A tractors or whatever this crazy, uh, you know, harness racing thing the guy mm-hmm. that built in Indiana in the mid-50s. Um, if anybody has any crazy vehicles like that, that you know, or loophole vehicles, please write in or send us a photo yeah. of something like that. Because that's, that's gold. Those are beautiful things. To, to, I mean, if you're able to somehow find and restore those things, that would be, that'd be really cool. It'd be a nice addition to your collection. Yeah, and if that's too much work, you know, just take a picture. Don't beat yourself up. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that was a tall order there. But uh, all I meant was, you know, just relay your stories and maybe a photo or two if you've got one. Because she didn't have a single photo of this thing. Ah, your mom didn't? No, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really pester my grandmother though about this. I think it might be time to introduce yourself to your mother's neighbors. Uh, Possibly, yeah. That would be so cool. But before we head out, Scott, um, do you want to do one more thing? Of course. One more thing. Okay, so our one more thing. I'm calling this one more thing instead of listener mail. Um, our listener, uh, Karen, wrote in to us on Facebook and said, uh, said, hey, look at this car I saw at Dragon Con. <laughs> now, this car is anybody who is on our Facebook page can go check it out. It's one of our, I guess, one of our public comment threads. And uh, this car is really cool, man. It's in the Dragon Con parade. Dragon Con is a sci-fi fantasy um, pop. How would I phrase it? Sci- uh, you know what? Let's leave it this way. Dragon Con is a really cool convention held every year in our own Atlanta, Georgia. It's a crazy weekend. It's a crazy weekend. If you are going downtown, uh, don't drive unless you're driving in an awesome car like this. Yeah, I don't know even know what to how to describe this thing. It looks like it has a jousting pole in the front. Is this supposed to supposed to look like uh, like something in particular, Ben? Do you know of where this comes from? Uh, yeah, the uh, car that Karen sent the picture of uh, belongs to her husband. Uh, she and he worked together to turn it into a battle cruiser. Okay, it has wings. Uh huh. It has a like I said, a jousting pole in the mm-hmm. front. A lot of add-ons. It looks like things are and it's so modified. I don't even know what the base car is. I'll have to really look at the Dig shape in. of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll print a out photo. a better photo for yeah. you too. Sorry, man. But uh, we have. Had an interesting little uh, conversation about the various excellent kitted out cars and modified cars that you can see at Dragon Con. Uh, it's kind of like, remember when we were talking about Burning Man, how many amazing Burning yeah. Man cars there are? Yeah, some amazing creations there. Mm-hmm. You can see some really neat stuff there. So everybody who's interested in this, uh, let us know. Karen said, thought it might be fun to do a picture on Geek Rides, or an episode, excuse me, oh, on Geek Rides. Not a bad idea. That's a, that's a really good idea. Not a bad idea at all. And I thought this dovetailed well with our conversation mm-hmm. about some brilliant homemade vehicles, uh, such as A-Tractors and Doodlebugs. You guys, we're going to go ahead and call, call it a day, declare victory on this podcast. Big thanks to Simon for uh, hipping us to something that I don't think either of us had ever heard about. No, I hadn't heard of it until his uh, Facebook suggestion. So thank you, Simon. And 
per your excellent suggestion, Scott, uh, let's do hear from any listeners who have some awesome photos uh, or some awesome restorations. Yeah, of uh, loophole vehicles or doodlebug tractors or whatever you got. I mean, just that crazy vehicle. I, I'm going to get the name of it, Ben, I promise. Oh, and also thanks to Ingvar Hallstrom, who wrote one, uh, who wrote an excellent article on this. That, on the uh, H-Tractors. That Simon hit this to. Yeah, that's the one we referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see that article for yourself or our conversation with Simon and Karen, you can check out our Facebook page, Car Stuff HSW. You can drop us a line on Twitter. Uh, make it short. They have a pretty hard character limit. Uh, or if you want to skip the social media entirely, you can write to Scott and I at carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.